Blog Talk Radio. Top of the morning to you, everybody. It is National Signing Day here on Southern Sports Central and across the country on the uh, beautiful Wednesday morning, December the 18th. Again, we're less than a week away from that big, magical Christmas morning where all the children will wake up with smiles on their faces and hopefully a few things under the tree for them. As we uh, have some things under the tree for you here today on Southern Sports Central, I'm Richie Alban alongside Will Porter here. We'll, uh, it's going to happen quick, too, because... Uh, Mr. Ware is going to join us, uh, and this is going to be fun because uh, the fact that you think Daryl Ware, of course, uh, had committed to the University of South Carolina, I believe it was last week, uh, about three days ago, matter of fact, uh, when he committed to the Gamecocks. Uh, he's actually up there right now in Spartanburg playing in the uh, Shrine Bowl, but he said, hey, I'm going to reach out to you guys in the morning. This was yesterday. He said about 7.05, I'll give a shout, and uh, we'll check in with you. So uh, we're looking forward to hearing from him. Uh, any minute now, so, uh, of course, uh, Will, when he, you see that number come up, I don't know his number right off the top of my head, but when you see a number come up, let's make sure we get him in here and get him out of here because they'll be doing uh, the, the early wake-up first thing this morning. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then we'll go from there. So Yeah, uh, they, th- those boys, they keep a tight schedule. They kept it tight in the north-south game, and then they'll definitely keep it tight in the Shrine Bowl. Yeah, so we'll, we'll be excited to talk to them here, hopefully uh, – just a few minutes. I'm trying to reach out now, make sure that he's ready to rock and roll. But anyways, uh, got a good lineup here today. He's actually uh, responding to me as we speak, so that's a good thing. All right, so Darrell Ware here any minute now. He'll check in with us, an outside linebacker from the Fort, Fort Dorchester's very own uh, big man, going to hang out with us hopefully here in a few seconds. Matt Sims going to join us at 730, all the way down on the bayou of uh, Louisiana. A lot going on down there. They have a Heisman Trophy winner. They have a huge day of signing, I'm imagining, uh, coming up today. And they have uh, the New Orleans Saints, where Drew Brees is doing some things. So he's been really busy. Uh, so we're excited to hear from Matt here at 730. He was going to hang out with us a little bit yesterday. But because of signing day today, because of some things happening yesterday, uh, that didn't happen. We also have an audible this morning. At one point, I thought uh, we were going to be joined by uh, somebody from 24-7. Guess what? It is National Signing Day. That uh, He actually uh, reached out to me uh, late last night. And was like, man, look, I, I feel bad, but I've got this, this, this. And, oh, by the way, my daughter has something going on. Kind of rescheduled for Thursday or Friday. I said, Ben Moore, brother, we can do whatever you need to do. Family first. We'll take care of the rest of it later. So he's actually going to come in either Thursday or Friday. Lou Bizjack, who is from the state paper, is uh, going to try to shoot in here about 8 o'clock. Now, Lou covers the Gamecocks. He covers the Tigers. He covers a lot of things around the state of South Carolina. He works for the state paper. But he's also currently covering uh everything that's going on at the Shrine Bowl as well. So we'll be able to catch up with them on, on that as well. So um yeah, so we're just kinda of, kinda of communicating now um with, with Mr. Ware here. Uh here hopefully like I said in, in a few minutes he'll um 
you know, check in here with us. But anyways, a lot happening. There's so much going on. I, you know, of course, I stay in the know when it comes to watching certain things, listening to certain things on the college front, and, and there are a lot of comparisons. We'll talk about this today. This is not the same team, Clemson Tiger fans, and I'd like to hear from you today as well because for some reason you keep wanting to post that score from a few years ago when you play Ohio State when it was 30 to nothing or 30 to whatever. Look, this is not, I'm telling you, I, I, you know, and I, and I hope it doesn't come back to bite me just for that factor. I don't want to hear anything. But, uh, you know, I, statistically, it had me yesterday looking over a lot of things. And, and when it comes down to it, uh, looking at the numbers of Ohio State, the Buckeyes offense is incredible, man. I'm telling you, these guys put up a lot of points. They don't make a lot of mistakes. And they're like, well, they're in the Big Ten. Well, you're in the ACC. The Big Ten's a lot better conference than the ACC. The ACC is not very good up and down and all around. There may be two strong, competitive, I would say, okay, they definitely can take care of some business-type teams in the, in the ACC. I think in the Big Ten, it's, it's, it's kind of loaded. It's a little heavy in one side and the other, but Michigan's really good. Wisconsin's really good. Indiana's got a, a, a lot better team than anybody's seen at the ACC. Ohio State, well, they're playing for, you know, the top four slots in the national championship games. I can continue to go through it as well. All right, so let's do this. Uh, we're going to put it on social media that he's joined us as well, but I do believe it's now time to go to the Matt's Burgers Hotlines as we're coming to you live from the Kearns uh, Pharmacy Studios here in Somerville, South Carolina. And we'll check in right now in Spartanburg, South Carolina, with Mr. Daryl Wero. Daryl, top of the morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing good, sir. We're good. We're good, man. Glad to have you in here, man. We, we of course, uh, Brandon Johnson joins us all, from time to time. Uh, Mr. Sab joins us from time to time. We've got a few other your uh, teammates from uh, the fort hanging out with us. But now we get to put another name on the board over here as a uh, varsity outside linebacker from Fort Dorchester. Committed to the Gamecocks. So you'll be signing on that line today, making that commitment official. Uh, but you're out there right now practicing up there at the Shrine Bowl, man. How, tell me, man, what's been going on with you? Give us an update on uh, you guys up there at the Shrine Bowl. Um, we just um, we actually just woke up, and um, <laughs> it's actually going good. I like it. I, I met some good people, and some people I know I know for a long time. I'm ready for Saturday. Live right on the outside, linebacker representing the Ford over at the uh, Shrine Bowl. Again, committed to the Gamecocks. He'll sign here sometime this morning. Before we get to National Signing Day with you, man, uh, you've been there since Sunday. You got there. I saw all the swag you guys are getting. You get to meet all your coaches. You kind of find out who you're, who you're going to room with. Who are you rooming with, man? Did you know who you had before you got there? Or, or tell me a little bit about your roommate and where they're from. I actually didn't know who I had before I got here. But uh, my roommate is uh, Jalen Schuler from Abbeville. He's a line, outside linebacker too. He's a cool guy. And like, I didn't think like I was gonna meet somebody that I was gonna probably be as cool with that I didn't know already. But no, he's actually he's actually cool. So you got uh, Mr. Mr. Schuler from Abbeville. Abbeville, these guys, a uh, little bit smaller football as far as the classification. But boys, play, uh, they, they play smash mouth football, shut down the town on Friday nights. Of course, uh, you know a lot about that over there at Fort Dorchester. Uh, of course, uh, one of the <laughs> teams here in, uh, in in Charleston, man. And, and I've, I'm fortunate enough to have a good relationship with you guys. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm connected to a lot of the high schools here. Of course, I do some things with Somerville. But, uh, you know, and, and I'm pretty close with Coach LaPratt over there with you guys. I've had a chance to watch you guys practice right before you guys played uh, Dutch Fork. 
and they came out a couple of weeks prior to that. But uh, just knowing what you guys do, the hustle and bustle, and the way that Cursor Brad makes you guys practice from the time you guys hit that pavement to the time you get on that field and all the way back up uh, to the locker room, you guys are running nonstop. What's the difference between where you're practicing today and where you've been practicing the last three or four years ever at Fort Dorchester? Well, knowing that we only have like seven practices before the game, we can only um, we have to you know cram in certain plays to make sure everybody understands the plays and gets it done. Saturday, uh, we're we're not working as fast yet. Like today, we'll probably work faster than we did the past two days because we've had the past two days to work on the plays. But like you know, it's like we've been taking small baby steps for like our sport, like you know. We just do everything fast. That's how we. That's how we get around. Live right now, the outside linebacker from Fort Dorchester committed to the Gamecocks. Daryl Ware joins us bright and early this morning. Rolls out of bed, picks up the phone, and says, "Top of the morning to you, Southern Sports Central." So we're uh, excited to have you in here, man. I can't tell you how proud I am of you. Uh, you're representing not only the fort, you're representing the Low Country uh, in fashion up there. I know we've got Adam McKenna, who's also up there uh, from the area as well. Uh, Christian Miller, a defensive guy. You probably actually had a chance to catch up with him as well. He's a secondary guy, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, is up there with you. But you also get a chance to catch up with, you know, a a Jalen Hyatt, who's a wide receiver that you got to play against. Guys like him that you've played against, just like Adam McCann and some of these guys, how neat is it now to have these guys that have for so many years been against you, and now here they are with you on the same sideline, doing the same thing with the same goal, to represent the state of South Carolina. I mean, that's a big deal. The whole state of South Carolina kind of leaning on you here to take down that team on the other side of the border, North Carolina. How cool is it to, to have a guy and you look across the way or you may be standing beside you and you see that green oval S beside you because for so many years you guys were taught y'all don't like each other. This is just the way it is. Well, I would say, like, you know, during the football season, like playing people like Adam McKenna every year, you know, I, I didn't really get to see his face till this year. But, like, Jalen, I actually met him a couple times outside of football. And, like, we've been cool. But now that we're, like, on the same team, working for the same cause, like, the Shrine Bowl, even though we're representing South Carolina, well, it's bigger than football. It's for those kids at Children's Hospital. And so, like, every, everybody's working for that, and everybody knows that. And so – that that's just that's just good because everybody's gonna have the same mindset come Saturday. Live right now, the outside linebacker representing uh, the Sand Lappers over there at the uh, Shrine Bowl for the state of South Carolina it goes to Fort Dorchester today, tomorrow. Basically, if you look at the big picture, he'll be heading to the Gamecocks to play for the uh, University of South Carolina. Let's talk about this uh, the, the field trip. You guys are you guys haven't taken it yet yet. Have y'all been to the hospital yet? I know this is one of the the signature moments that you guys get to be a part of and go into this hospital to see all these young kids. And man, I've heard so many stories because I've been blessed enough to be around a lot of you guys that have been up here prior to you guys, this class at least. And and they tell me about not only do they get to play, like you said, with some of the guys that they played against for so long, but it was that experience of walking into this hospital to look at the eyes of these young kids who looked at you like you were an NFL football player. Have you guys made that trip over? If not, when do you guys make that trip to the hospital? We actually go tomorrow. 
So when you go in there tomorrow, have they talked a little bit about that? Is that one of the things that I know they do a lot of – right now you're practicing twice a day, if, not, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in the morning and the afternoon. Uh, what type of conversations are you guys having in your meetings as far as getting ready for this game? Is it just all football talk, or are they, they talking about a few other things as far as life and, and, and how you're handling anything? So far, uh, the meetings have just been, like, about football because, you know, the meetings will be, like, after our second practices later in the day, like, after dinner. And so they'll just be talking to make sure everything, everybody understands what's going on. If anybody has any extra questions, just making sure we understand what we're doing. There, when you got there, was there anybody, and I've asked these guys the question to Brandon Johnson, your teammate there over at Fort Dorchester. He was in the north-south game, and Will Picker and a few other guys that have joined us here uh, on the show. Is there anybody that you, when you got up there, you were like, man, I hope I can run into this guy? Or is there anybody you ran into at this point that you kind of kind of surprised you a little bit? You've enjoyed the conversation, but yet you, you knew that you, uh, you've, you've heard about this kid before even getting up there. Ooh, that's a good question. I would say there was actually a lot of people I actually knew prior to coming here, but I I would say my roommate, even though I didn't know him before, like right. I didn't expect to really get to know him spending the time we did in the room. And we was just we just spend the little bit of time we had just chopping it up, you know, talking about life and like, you know, it was cool to do that because I could tell that he was like he grew up the same way I did and had the same some of the same mindsets as me. Live right now with the outside linebacker representing the Sand Lappers here on Saturday in the uh, Shrine Bowl, a uh, prestige the number one All Star game. It's the first selection for All Stars uh, here in the state of South Carolina. Then it kind of stair stacks its way down. Uh, of course, Darrell has uh, earned it in, in fashion, had a phenomenal senior season. They, these guys went undefeated over at Fort Dorchester, uh, made it all the way to the semifinals. But I tell you what, uh, a defense that I've never seen before uh, in high school football in a long time. I mean, I called you guys the shutdown defense, the first 11 good, the second 11 pretty close to being as good as you guys are. I mean, you guys had no problems handling business from the secondary to the front line and always put the ball in primetime locations uh, for uh, your, your quarterbacks. And I use that with a with an S over there because you guys were fortunate to have two really good quarterbacks and great wide receivers and uh, a running back back there that made a pretty good headway as well. Uh, so a big day coming up for you today, man. National Signing Day is here. You've committed to the Gamecocks. You'll get to go and join your brother uh, that you played with uh, a few years ago, Kieran Joyner, who's made a great statement up there in Columbia, not only for the fort, but he's also done the same thing for, uh, I'd say, for the low country and for the state of South Carolina. He just picked up a couple of trophies here. And uh, I heard Coach Davos, uh, excuse me, uh, Coach Mike Popo talk about him Monday, about how well he enjoyed meeting him and, and, and the impression that he had. And that speaks volumes of, of the carry-on, but it speaks volumes of your coaching staff and the community that you were raised in and your family and all of that good stuff. What made you choose South Carolina? And, and tell us a little bit here on National Signing Day, with you not being here in uh, in Charleston, you're going to be up there doing that. Uh, how does that go for you guys up there today? Well, um, actually, funny story. When I was getting recruited by Colorado State, I actually talked to Mike Bobo a lot. He's really a really nice guy, and and I could tell that a lot of the stuff he says is genuine. 
And so when he got uh, released from Colorado State, Colorado State was out of coach for so long, um, I actually looked towards Carolina, and I was like, you know what, I might as well make that move. And then they ended up hiring him, and it was just like, you know what, I guess, I guess it was meant to be. <laughs> it's funny how that works, man. I've, I've, I've had the pleasure of having other athletes on here that, that went through college visits. Uh, one of those was Bryson Allen Williams, a linebacker from the Gamecocks who grew up in Georgia, played at Cedar Grove High School. We followed him his whole senior year. He went to multiple schools. I mean, he went everywhere. Actually, was recruited heavily by uh, this guy named Will Muschamp that was the head coach of Florida. But he made sure that, he, you know, he said, hey, look, this isn't the where I want to be. This, is what, this isn't the plan. I'm going to go to South Carolina. But he didn't burn that bridge because who would have thought two years later he would be playing for that same coach at South Carolina. So, uh, you know, that's it's a lot smaller world than we realize sometimes, especially at that age, man. So, good. It's pretty neat how God works everything out. So when you look at it today, what do you do today here? I know you guys have practice and all, but are they going to set up a little area for you guys to do your, to do your entire deal as far as signing it? I know, Will, I know uh, Mr. McKenna from Somerville, he's heading up actually to uh, Rhode Island. He'll be signing today up there with you guys. I know Jalen Hyatt, he's heading to Tennessee. You're heading to South Carolina. There's a lot of guys making some big decisions here today. How does that go for you guys? Have they told you guys about any? ceremony or anything like that so basically um we'll leave to go to breakfast in like 15 minutes and then after we get back we'll have like an hour or two designated for the signing and so we'll just go up to like the ballroom and and sign either it's our choice if we want to sign on camera off camera that's going to be a pretty neat thing all right man before i get you out of here and let you kind of get your morning started. First of all, man, it meant a lot to me for you to take this step, come in here and be a part of Southern Sports Central. You know, I take a lot of pride in giving you young guys an opportunity to be heard. I say this all the time on the air. You know, people hear about you all the time. You know, Daryl, people read about you all the time. People watch you on the sidelines all the time, but they never get a chance to hear from you. And for me, to get to know you is to hear from you. And you uh, have done a great thing this morning by not only jumping in here and hanging out, man, but you're calling from this uh, – prestige all-star game you're the first guy that we've had calling this year from uh shrine boy that means a lot to me and of course all of us here at southern sports Central, we're real proud of you man we've watched you all year long you know i do a lot of stuff here in charleston i cover uh the high school stuff over channel two and i talked about you guys over there on channel two as well on sunday night so for me to get you in here man it's a bucket list that i get to get check that box but um tell me something about the fort man you you know you're, you're you've wrapped up your final game now this will be the final time you wear that fort helmet on saturday What's a memory that you'll always remember? It could be about your coaches. It could be about the players you played with. What's something that you'll always remember when you close your eyes and you think about your days playing at Fort Dorchester that have come to mind this time next year? I'll never forget three years ago, my 10th grade year, um, back when it was like, you know, that was carry-ons last year and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It was, it was, good morning. It was, um, what was it voting day? Yeah, it was voting day, so we didn't have school, but we practiced in the morning outside, and I'll never forget it because when we came out there, they had the music blasting, and then like everybody was just like, you know, it's early in the morning, and it's like I'm supposed to be our off day of school, and everybody wasn't like you know sluggish or anything like that that music just got us going and they're like we all got to dancing together 
they were just like having a good time. Like I never forget that because I I also never forget those seniors. Like I tell some of the guys, um, like after they, after we lost, I was like, y'all won't forget us because I know I'll never forget the seniors I had. Well, that's that's the exact thing that and hopefully uh, you know when you graduate here and head to South Carolina, and I say this to all of our athletes, man, always come back. Always come back to the campus. Make sure, you know, when you guys get a break next year, and the Gamecocks have a weekend, they don't play. You know, if you remember, uh, during that same game that I was actually at over there on the sidelines and up there in the press box with you guys, uh, when y'all played uh, Dutch Fork, uh, Mr. Joyner made his way back along with a few other players were there on the sideline. Man, it has a huge impact. I know you guys saw him there. Uh, there's times that you guys may be able to go in there and give a speech or give some type of motivation to the players that are in there uh, to remind them, hey, look, see where I'm at? You want to get here, this is what you got to do. But make sure you always come back, man. But uh, go enjoy your breakfast. Uh, stretch it out a little bit. Congratulations on uh, becoming a Gamecock. Uh, I know the Gamecocks are looking forward to having you over there. I've actually had a conversation with a couple of staff members over there, and they talked highly of you. I thought that was pretty neat yesterday when I reached out. and uh, They said how your work ethics are great. Your ability to see, uh, you know, the, the the guys on the other side of the field and make adjustments are, are even better, and the things that you are going to bring to this defense, it's needed. Are, are, are they're they're really excited about it? So uh, something to look forward to. A lot of work ahead, man. But you've got a lot of work behind you. So uh, it's just a normal day in the office for a guy like you, Daryl. But uh, thank you so much for being a part of our show this morning. Thank you so much for all that you've done uh, for Fort Dorchester, for the uh, Low Country, for the uh, course the, the towns that you've uh, had a chance to, to be a part of. But uh, get out there, keep making those memories, and tell all of our guys up there, uh, congratulations, and call in, hang out with us anytime. But most of all, man, uh, God bless you. Take care. Be safe, and uh, congratulations on your huge uh, decision as an adult here. This is the biggest one yet, man, going to the Gamecocks. Thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate you having me on here. And I would come on here anytime. Just let me know. And uh, I'm ready to put on for the state Saturday. Hey, man, do what you got to do, and we'll be watching you. Uh, when you get back, I'm actually going to catch up with me, you, and about four or five other guys. We'll set up a station somewhere, and I'll we'll do like a live remote somewhere, and we'll kind of hand out some microphones, and we'll do a little roundtable Saturday deal, fifth quarter show, and I'll let Will, who uh, produces this show, i got to give him the, the heads up on that one. That's kind of his deal. But we're going to set up something special with you guys for you all get out of here with all the low country players like Will Pickering and yourself, Manny Mukwamu, and guys like that. Instead of going against each other, we'll go with each other. We'll – We'll sit around and we'll have a little fun, man. We'll, we'll eat some breakfast and uh, talk a little football. How's that? Sounds great. All right, buddy. God bless. Take care. We'll talk to you. Uh, I'll, I'll reach out to you later here this afternoon. Yes, sir. I'll, I'll talk to you later. Have a good day. Yes, sir. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. That is the outside linebacker. Dale Ware joins us here bright and early this morning. Uh, we'll hang out with for another five or six minutes here. And, um, and and just kind of talk a little bit about this interview and, and, and a little bit of other stuff that's happening here today on National Signing Day. There's a lot of guys up there representing the uh, state of South Carolina. There's a lot of guys on the other side of the border representing the, the state of North Carolina. And we wish those guys the best of luck as well here on Southern Sports Central. A lot of guys making their biggest decision of their young adult life, right? I mean, to say, I'm going to go here for the next three or four years, it's a big deal. And I hope they hold to that. I hope they hold to that deal and don't jump into this portal and go somewhere else. I get it. Sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't work. But I like to see somebody start where they, you know, finish what they start, and uh, that's a big deal. Now having Daryl Ware on here is a big deal. I've watched this young man grow up and, and and really do some big things. And I knew 
years ago, like you mentioned, his sophomore year, uh, you know, I, we knew by doing what I do on Friday night, and, and you've actually joined me this year and looking forward to the rest of our time together doing Friday Night Lights together, you watch these kids grow up to be men. I remember, you know, watching the guys do big things. I remember De'Karon Joyner, prime example. This kid, we knew he was going to be electrifying. He looked every bit of uh, Michael Vick, if you will, because he had the speed, he had the ability, he had the, the opportunity to, to juke and jive and, and to keep the play alive by getting to the sideline and at the last minute, I mean the last split second, jolts back into the other side of the field and takes off for another 45 yards. And it took all, but I think finally last year was the first time I saw somebody, and it was during the Somerville game, finally figure out how to play him. But other than that, man, this guy made people look silly, man. He broke more ankles than than I've ever seen in the game of high school football. Well, I think that's an incredible uh, testament to the talent that he possesses uh, for his ability to do that at the high school level. You know, I, I can just recall a, a lot of players, If you if the way that you're speaking about uh, Kerry and Joyner and the way that he was able to juke and jive in those things um, and being able to uh, going to the left and then cut to the right or going to the right and then cutting back to the left uh, all of a sudden and um, just the, the agility that he has, that he possesses, uh, even as even when he was in high school, I think that that's just a testament to uh, just how how much that he worked for, uh, what he was trying to achieve. And uh, I guess um, modeling after a, a player like Vic, or in this case, um, in, in, in recent memory now, it would probably be uh, a Lamar Jackson for uh, some of the kids a lot younger now. Um, but I, I can definitely see just how much, uh, uh, how much progression uh, that, he, that he has. And for him to, of course, go to the University of South Carolina, and I, I hope that they uh, end up utilizing him um, at the quarterback position um, is sometime in, in the future, and I hope that he does stick it out. Uh, but uh, it, it's, it's just it, – it, it's so awesome to see uh, the, the talent that he, it, that he is able to um, just, just to read plays, to extend plays, um, and to just be able to cut up the field the way that he does. Um, and, and if may I ask uh, this question here, what number – is it number seven that Dakarian Joyner wears? Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I believe I'm a Columbia. I don't. Right. That's Michael Vick's number. Yeah, but I think he's more. <laughs> but but I think he's more. Uh, of matter of fact, I know he's he, he's a big fan of Lamar Jackson. I do know that, and I do know that he when when recruited, Virginia Tech was on that list. Uh, Louisville was on that list, and South Carolina, of course, on that list as well. But you know the thing that I that I really enjoy uh, about him is, uh, and again, I don't want to take away from Daryl Ware's interview, but. This is this is the type of players that really do come out of uh, Fort Dorchester that that I don't know if everybody really kind of gets, man, because this is a, a a special group of kids, number one. And when you watch the way, even Daryl, the way he comes on and he handles the interview, Brandon Johnson's that guy, DeAndre Sab's that guy. You know, we've had a lot of guys come in here, and, and we've uh, we've been impressed by how they handle the interview, how they go through the process of it all. And uh, to me personally, you know, hey, man, that's to that's big because there's so many guys that you do have, you do have come on here and, and they're just not as good. They're just not as good at it. And that's okay. That doesn't make anything to me. However, you know, you, you start to kind of sit back and you think and you listen and you watch 
and you learn certain things about them, and it's like, wow, these guys are these guys are pretty good. You know, these guys are really good at not only playing the game of football, but they they handle some interviews pretty well as well. So when you start to kind of put things together, you know, for me personally, I, I love the aspect of what you see day in, day in and day out over at Fort Dorchester. I watch uh, the way they practice. I watch the way that they got after it this year. And, and the expectation was you start hard, you finish hard, and you get big things in return. So, you know, what we're going to do now is we'll take a quick break because I believe at any minute now Matt Sims is going to join us here. Uh, and I want to give us a minute to reset everything. We are going to talk college football with him, but I do want to thank Daryl Ware, his family, uh, the staff uh, over there at the uh, Shrine Bowl for allowing him to come in here and check in with us first thing this morning. And, of course, the coaches over there at Fort Dorchester for building this young man up to who he is today because, again, without what you guys have put into this kid, this stuff doesn't come out. And I, I know personally their head coach and, and a lot of their coaches over there on that staff, a five-star group of guys over there, who work hard at producing these kids to be grown men. In the process, they become great athletes, but it's producing good grown men who can do the things that need to be done. And uh, I, I thank you guys for the time, the effort, the energy you put into all of these kids. But, uh, you know, another guy who comes in here from Fort Dorchester who has represented the Fort uh, with five-star caliber talent on the air. So we're going to take a quick break, come back. Matt Sims all the way from uh, Baton Rouge. Louisiana going to check in. We'll talk to the Saints. We'll talk LSU. We'll talk Heisman and National Signing Day coming up next right here on Southern Sports Central. Can't help but listen My upbringing 
everybody. I'm Rich. I'm alongside Will Porter, the producer on the other side of the glass here, pushing buttons, answering phones, and tweeting it out and about. As you can follow us there on Twitter, at SO Sports Central. You can hang out with us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central and on uh, the land of Instagram. That's, of course, uh, Southern Sports Central. Without further ado, we head now to uh, the state of Louisiana, where they're handing out trophies and breaking records day in and day out. It's been kind of the trend since Saturday, where that number nine on the chart, number one on the heart, uh, of course, quarterback there, Mr. Borough, is uh, the LSU's representation of this year's Heisman Trophy winner. Then they got this guy, you might have heard of him, Drew Brees, number nine, also. Uh, Monday night breaks a record. But it was years ago that this other guy broke a record, Bobby Boucher. Yeah, he's from the state of Louisiana as well. I don't know uh, if you've had a chance to catch up with him, Matt, or not, but uh, that's Bobby Boucher. But I know you've had a chance to get a lot of work done in with the other two guys. But let's uh, wish you uh, a, a Merry Christmas as you come in here a week before Christmas and hang out with us, buddy. Hey, Merry Christmas. Good to be talking to you. It's, uh, yeah, it's definitely quite a time quite a time to be alive down here if you're a football fan of either one of these two teams. No doubt about it, man. I watched a video yesterday, uh, and I, I don't know whether it was a live footage from yesterday or the day before, but uh, just people dancing in the street, which is, that's normal, man. Mardi Gras, uh, you guys just look for a reason to dance, and sometimes it's just to dance. Uh, but uh, what, what's the atmosphere? You know, you guys get your second ever historical moment of having a Heisman Trophy guy coming out of, the, uh, out of Louisiana. His storyline alone is great. I, I, I said this on Twitter on, on Saturday night that, uh, you know, come to LSU where we believe in you and dreams come true, right? I mean, you think about Ed Orgeron, who had not the luck that everybody else uh, had had prior to being a head coach. Every time he went somewhere, it just wasn't the perfect fit. Great coordinator. He was a great coordinator. Anywhere he went, he always did, uh, I would say, one of the best coordinators around. But every time he tried it out as a head coach, it didn't work out. But all of a sudden, man, that perfect fit and that love language uh, that, that he puts out there to his players was a Perfect. I mean, a lottery ticket win uh, for uh, Louisiana and, of course, uh, the Tigers. Uh, from that moment to all of a sudden he brings in a kid who's never played really a down because he had uh, to sit behind somebody for two years, then had to sit out his third year. Here he is in his fourth year, senior year. He finally gets a chance to uh, crank up the car and take it for a ride. And, boy, does he uh, not disappoint anybody, not only at LSU but across the country. Uh, you couldn't have. You couldn't have asked for or even dreamed, uh, you know, of a better result with him coming in and taking over the full-time permanent head coaching duties. You know, and I, I'm going to tell you a little story. You know, when he got fired from University of Southern California, he, well, I'm sorry, he didn't get fired. When he wasn't given the head coaching job and he immediately resigned, moved back to Louisiana, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't in coaching. He was very bitter. He, um, uh, he started doing a, 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 a weekly segment on a morning talk show here at the Baton Rouge area. And, um, you know, when he started to get the itch to want to coach again, you know, obviously LSU is his dream job. There weren't any openings there at LSU. Les Miles is still coaching there. And, uh, they all know how that goes. And so uh, there was one day there that the – guys on the radio asked him if he would be willing to come back to coaching uh, and be a position coach, you know, so would he be willing to not only not come back as a head coach, but not come back as a 
coordinator, just come back as a, a position coach, you know, lowest rung on the ring, um, or lowest ring on the rung, rather. And he said, yeah, he would be open to that. Well, at that point in time, you know, then people at LSU, Les Miles, the staff said, oh, we got we to gotta make a move here. We got to get, you know, we got to talk to Orgeron. He said he wants to come, you know, he said he'd be willing to come back as a, as a defensive line coach. And so they made a position for him. They essentially moved Rick Haley out, uh, another Les Miles classic uh, slip of the tongue there when they were announcing the move, called because they were moving him into an intern position. And I don't know about you, I don't know anybody goes from making a few hundred thousand dollars to being an intern, uh, but he was basically forced out. And they hired Ed Orgeron. And that was the same day that then they were announcing Kevin Steele as their new defensive coordinator. Um, when Miles had just interviewed Dave Miranda for that job and had decided to go with Kevin Steele. And so they had the press conference at the same time. And Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator, was supposed to be, you know, that's supposed to be the big hire. But everybody knew that the guy they were there to see was Ed Orgeron. Now a few people had Kevin Steele go first. And he even made a mention that he knows that everybody. Uh, everybody's not there to talk to him. They're there to see Ed Orgeron. So Kevin Steele finishes his press conference, then they introduce their new defensive line coach, which is Ed Orgeron. And you can just see the elation in his, you know, in in his smile, in his eyes, and hear it in his speech how excited he was to be back uh, coaching and, and to be at LSU as a defensive line coach. And what a, I mean, what a magical run it's been since then to then be handed the interim head coaching job uh, a few years later. And now here he is, coach of the year in the college football playoffs. He has the Heisman Trophy quarterback under his, um, you know, under his regime. And uh, it, it's just absolutely amazing. It just goes to tell you uh, uh, what perseverance and hard work and never giving up. Live right now with Matt Sims, who covers a lot of things for us there on the bayou in Louisiana. And, of course, uh, right now talking to LSU football. These guys win the Heisman Trophy. They cleaned house and a lot of other national awards. Uh, let's look at some of the other awards that you saw come across uh, the way here in the last couple of days. Your defense, of course, uh, not as good as what we're used to seeing it. And maybe it's because your offense is that much better, and that's okay. That usually happens. You know, usually if one's good, the other one's not as good. But you guys have a, a, a really good staff in, in, in place and all of that. But talk to us about some of the other awards, some of the other guys that we haven't mentioned other than Mr. Boru that everybody's gotten a chance and everything from uh, his SpongeBob socks that he wore on, uh, on Saturday night to all that he's planning to do back in his community in Ohio to help kind of get some awareness and get some things going. Uh, but but some of the other guys have also been recognized. Uh, if you can, talk a little bit about those guys and what these guys have uh, won as far as some of the hardware they brought back uh, to the campus of LSU. Well, I will mention one other trophy uh, that Burrow brought back to the campus before we jump to the other guys because it's never been to the campus. That's the Davey O'Brien Award. Uh, no LSU quarterback has ever won that award. And, and Joe Burrow brings that one back to Baton Rouge as well. So, I mean, they're, they're not just going to build a new trophy case, uh, Richie. They're going to have to build a new trophy room with all the hardware that these guys, this team has brought back. So, um, you know, so, yeah, so uh, accolades for him. Just the, the, the list continues to go on and on. But one of the other big trophies, I'd say the next biggest one, the Blitnikoff Award, best wide receiver, went to Jamar Chase. 
uh, wide receiver for LSU. He doesn't have the most receptions on the team. He has the most touchdowns. But this guy, is I, I, I have felt it from about week eight um, after the Bama game, that this guy is the best wide receiver in all of college football. And he's just he's just undefendable. You cannot defend him. Um, he's got explosive speed and um, and uh, you know, it was a it was a trophy well a well earned trophy for him. And even when teams double team him, he still finds a way to get open and make catches. Um, and he's definitely their you know, their most vertical threat because he's got the speed to go vertical and, and guys that that uh, you know, try to press him at the line and disrespect that speed get burned and find themselves trying to chase him down on big plays. And he's going to be a huge threat for them in the college football playoffs. And I, I don't know anybody on Oklahoma team that can defend him. So uh, that was a huge award. And then you had uh, uh, Grant Delpit. The, uh, safety, he wound up winning the Jim Thorpe Award. That one was the biggest surprise of all because Delpit did not have a good season. He did not uh, he did not tackle particularly well. He was injured for some of it. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason why he hasn't had that, uh, a very good year there in safety position because he's been battling injury. So the fact that he was a finalist was a little bit surprising, but some people just passed it off and said, okay, we get it. And then he won it, and everybody around here was really kind of shocked. And a friend of mine, as a matter of fact, sent me a message, and he said, am I taking crazy pills? Grant Delphi just won the Jim Thorpe Award. And so that's a testament to how good he played last year, that his reputation as a sophomore carried him uh, into this season to where battling injury all year long, not tackling particularly well, uh, he ends up winning the Jim Thorpe Award. So, uh, you know, he wasn't even the best defensive back on the team this year. Freshman Derek Stingley, who was an AP All-American, he was the best defensive back, and uh, he wasn't even a finalist. So, you know, it just it, you sit back and you kind of laugh at it, especially when you look at how, how many points LSU's defense has given up this year. Um, and you look back at it and they've got three of the best defensive backs in the country, one of them winning the – Jim Thorpe Award, the other one, an AP All-American, and the other one didn't get any accolades because he's so good, nobody throws at him because they know it's an automatic pick if they try to test him. Uh, and that's Christian Fulton, who I'm speaking of there, the senior. So uh, so the Jim Thorpe Award was a bit of a surprise uh, when, that, when that piece of hardware came in. And I know I'm forgetting another one. I'm forgetting another one. I just can't think of it. There's just too many to, to try to keep track of them all. But uh, the Bolitnikoff was certainly the biggest one because that one really showed – that one just the best wide receiver in the country. And Jamar Chase is definitely the best wide receiver in the country. Live right now with Matt Sims catching us up with all the hardware that they have uh, had to build, like you mentioned, a room. Uh, forget the case, just build a new room and, and put some things together there. And it's nice to see the offense finally getting some recognition down there in the bayou. It's been DBU for so long now. You guys are – a well-oiled machine here. Uh, back to the uh, to the conversation, and, and I do want to ask you about ten different things. So I, I got to be strategic here in the time I have with you. But I love the factor in his introduction, and that was a Heisman Trophy on Friday on Saturday night when uh, when Joe Burrow wins it. The first thing he recognizes is his offensive lineman. Man, I tell you what, I've heard a lot of different speeches, but I don't know if the first thing I've ever heard somebody thank the big guys up front, but to thank the guys who kind of protected him from 
staying off his backside and giving him room to throw in the pocket, staying in the pocket to run and give him a lane. I mean, he has been a complete package. But even in his, his acceptance speech, I thought he, he nailed it, man. It was almost throwing it in between three defenders. There's three with the other three guys that were up there for the Heisman Trophy. He's very humble. I mean, this is a baller. He's the kind of a guy that, that you only read about a lot of times. I know I compare him a lot of times as far as mindset-wise. The guys that here in the Palmetto State we would know is a Connor Shaw. He's a quarterback. He's a quarterback's uh, coach who – our quarterback whose dad is a head coach at the next level and, and, and plays, of course, uh, that role extremely well. When he lost his cell phone and that being Joe Burrow, he could care less about getting another one. He was more worried about playing the game. When you've had conversations or maybe you've run into him, is it surprise you the kind of personality he is? Hey, he's, a, he's an extremely humble guy. That's what endears him to the LSU fan base so much down here is that, you know, they feel like they are blue-collar. Many people are blue-collar. A lot of other fans believe they're blue-collar. So either way, that type of humbleness excuse me, really endears him to the LSU fan base. And he's been very appreciative of – the opportunity he was given here, you know, he he recognizes that LSU took a chance on him when he transferred and they recruited him, uh, and, and that he had never been a starter. He had all these high school accolades, but he had never been a starter at Ohio State, and he's transferring wanting to be a starter. He's only going to transfer to a place where he knows he's going to be a starter. And, and keep in mind, you know, the other – the other school that was big on the list uh, for him to transfer to was going to be Cincinnati. You know, and so LSU kind of came into this game a little bit late in the recruiting process uh, while he was looking to transfer. And obviously LSU's much bigger program, much better conference than Cincinnati is the AAC, uh, even though it's further from home. Um, but, you know, Burrow recognizes that they took a chance on him and they believed in him and gave him the opportunity and, and, you know, he would be in this position where he is now to lead the program to such unprecedented success. And, uh, and what appears to be, he had it now toward being the number one overall pick in the draft. Uh, coincidentally, probably back to Cincinnati. So, talk about a small world. But um, he's just incredibly humble for that opportunity and appreciative of it. And you saw it in his speech, too, when he thanked Coach O. And, you know, he didn't have a written, a prepared speech. It all came from the heart. I'm sure he thought about it, thought about what he wanted to say, but you can just see the raw emotion coming out there on the stage. And that's that's exactly why the entire community's embraced him, and he's embraced them as well. And, uh, you know, he'll uh, – he's a living legend down here already, no matter what happens in the college football playoff, the Peach Bowl and or the national championship game. You know, I, I'm certain he will eventually get his member retired there at Tiger Stadium. And at some point in due time, it probably be at least 10 years, he'll get his own statue out there as well next to Billy Cannon for being the school's second <clears throat> Heisman Trophy winner. And, um, you know, he's just, he, he's just a very genuine guy. And that's the kind of, you know, that's the kind of guy that you can root for there. And I, I really think it would – the thing I really want to see him do now is he's less than 300 yards away from 5,000 yards passing. With Oklahoma's pass, uh, pass defense, it shouldn't be any problem at all for him to put up enough numbers to pass 5,000. But, you know, I just – I want to see him eclipse the 5,000-yard mark and 50-touchdown mark uh, because that, they may not have a quarterback that ever comes through there again to put up those type numbers. 
Live right now with a good buddy of mine, Matt Sims, hanging out with us on the Bayou of Louisiana. That's right, a little raging Cajun love going on down there. Uh, when you look at it, man, and I do want to start turning a little bit here to two other topics. Number one, uh, that big game that's coming up, Oklahoma, of course, uh, is on the docket. We're going to get you in here next week. Uh, we just need to look at the schedule because of it being a Christmas week, and, and I know you're busy with a lot of things. But I want to try to check you every week here on the show. Uh, now they get to turn the lights and get away from all this hardware stuff. They can focus on the game coming up. We know Oklahoma's got a quarterback over there that can dissect a lot of good defensive teams now. Usually, this is not an issue for, for of course, uh, LSU. Their secondary is usually kind of shut down, light it down, and do their things. They've already beaten somebody out of the Big Ten, 12, be it Texas. Now they'll see Oklahoma. They'll see a guy, though, that they've seen before wearing the jersey. It's the guy in the jersey they're used to seeing. Jalen Hurst, of course, he played his days at Alabama. So they have an idea of what they're working with here. They've got film on him from back in the days there. They've seen him live in action. What's the one fear that you guys have going into this game coming up uh, against Oklahoma? And, and what do they – possess that really could maybe be the Achilles heel or maybe the kryptonite to the Tigers coming into this matchup? Well, his ability to scramble out of the pocket is the biggest concern for LSU. You know, he's 2-0 and against them all time as a starter uh, from his days at Alabama, so that's obviously um, something he's got going for him, so he's had success against them. So that was a totally different LSU team offensively at the very least. Uh, but his ability to scramble can be problematic. If you saw it against Ole Miss, uh, you know, Plumlee just ran for days and days against them. And, uh, you know, I don't think he'll ever do that again against LSU. But I don't know if he'll do it against any other team as well. It just happened to be that day against LSU right after the Alabama game. He just ran all over the defense. But the point, my point being is that that is shown to be a vulnerability for the LSU defense scrambling quarterbacks. And Hurts certainly has the ability to do that. So the defense has got to be sure to uh, you know, stay at home and not collapse the pocket so hard on the edge rush that then it allows him to step up and be able to scramble. Um, because if so, then that's where he's going to be able to extend drives and, and move the ball down the field and, one, keep it out of the offensive hands, but then, two, give their offense the best chance to uh, score points and then keep pace with the LSU offense. So I think – you know, I, I think if they can contain Jalen Hurts running, I, I'm not so sure. I, I mean, he can certainly throw the ball, but making him a one-dimensional guy, I would rather I'd rather him show me that he can beat me being one-dimensional, having to only throw the football and taking away his ability to scramble. Um, I don't know if he can. I don't know if he can outscore LSU if all he can do is throw the ball. If they take away his running ability. Um, you know, I, I do think they'll score some points. Now, LSU's defense played a lot better here these last two games against A&M and Georgia. I mean, that was a lockdown, uh, very stellar defense they played, and I think a lot of that was attributed to getting people back healthy. And I think they probably got tired of hearing all the noise about teams scoring 30 and 40 points against them and about whether or not they were any good or not because I just, I just got to tell you, I mean, they got a couple of AP All-Americans there in the secondary, um, but they got some pretty good players there on the defensive line. Rashard Lawrence, uh, big defense tackle. Kaylee Vaughn Chason is a huge edge rusher. He started the season very slow, but seemed to he seemed to really find his stride in the Alabama game and has played well since then. You know, uh, uh, so you know he can he will certainly be able to put a pass rush on Jalen Hurts. 
um, off the edge. I don't think they can block him consistently. And if they do, if they keep a running back there to chip on him, then that's going to be one less threat they've got out there for Hurts to throw to, which means the equation tips in the scales of, of the favor of the LSU secondary that much more. So, um, I, you know, they just got to find a way to make sure that they keep Hurts from being able to scramble and not beat him with his legs. And if they do that, I think the defense will be relatively okay. Live right now with uh, Matt Sims, who is uh, representing uh, us over here in uh, the Bayou State. Uh, Louisiana is uh, where, of course, uh, this team, LSU, will take on the likes of Oklahoma. And, again, I've got LSU winning this game because I just don't think that, that Oklahoma's got enough to sustain against a, a high-power, flying-around-get-it-done style uh, LSU team, not only defensively, offensively, special teams. I just think it's just a better better squad over there. Now, National Signing Day is here. Uh, any surprises for you? LSU, uh, they're right now ranked second in, in coming in this morning uh, in the uh, the latest poll that came out prior to it going green on 7 o'clock. You know, I'm sitting here watching numbers and names come in. I know South Carolina just picked up a five-star running back from Maryland. Uh, Clemson's picked up a dozen guys uh, with five-star rankings on them. One of them is uh, Bryce um, uh, Bergree, I believe is how you pronounce his name. He's a defensive tackle, 6'5", 290, also out of Maryland. Maryland, uh, having two kids uh, that are five-star rankings, uh, it's not in, not shocking to me, but definitely kind of catches me a little bit off guard. But who out there are you guys looking for, LSU is going for, uh, to, I would say, pick up to, to, to continue this momentum? And who's next up for quarterback positions? Is this kind of an area that you guys are looking to go after, or are you guys going to kind of live in that portal uh, where you guys hit that lottery ticket and stride? No, they're not going through the – they're really not going to be digging in the portal much. Um, you know, there's a real there's a real question about are there any potential surprise signees out here that are going to sign today uh, because LSU had a couple of decommitments happen here recently from some local kids, one kid from a suburb of Baton Rouge area and another kid who plays right here in Baton Rouge. Um, and both of those guys who have been committed, one of them was a defensive tackle, the other one was a defensive back, and they have decommitted in the last couple of weeks and have since one uh, committed to Florida and the other one just yesterday committed to Georgia. And so the fact that those two guys decommitted after being long-time LSU commits really made you start to think, you know, does LSU have some uh, silent commitments from some guys that – or at bigger needs of position, or maybe just for bigger athletes on the chart than what these guys were, and of course LSU to then have to come in and pull the offer from them, um, because that's just not something that you see. You see an in-state guys committed to LSU then decommit, and that was one of the things LSU talked about. You know, Orgeron talked about building the wall around the state, build, you know, putting the fence up, not letting players get out of it. And so when you suddenly saw a couple of local guys decommit, it's like, well, something's going on there. It doesn't mean that they're unhappy with the program. It doesn't mean their offer got pulled because LSU must have gotten a, you know, a, a, a silent commitment, a silent verbal commitment from the kid, um, which then forced them to have to clear up that spot. So I definitely think that there's going to be perhaps one or two surprise signees. I have no idea who they might be. Um, uh, you know, I would expect uh, maybe a defensive end. 
I know that they're big. A lot of people think they're big and on a, a big five-star defensive end out of, out of state um, who may sign. And then, um, uh, but I, it's really hard to say. But just reading the tea leaves with what's happening there, Richie, I tend to think they may have one or two surprise guys signed. But it's going to be a monster class for LSU. I mean, you know, how about everything that LSU's racking up? Well, you're just going to see them rack up today. It's, you know, um, it's definitely going to be Ed Orgeron's best class. And depending upon what surprise signees they actually get, you know, you may be able to make an argument that this could be LSU's best class. Um, so it, it's going to be a loaded class up there. And, uh, just a testament to the job that Orgeron's done. And, um, and I, to be quite frank, I'm kind of ready for all of that to get behind them, get, get the um, get the awards behind them, get signing day behind them, so everybody can get their focus back on the, the Peach Bowl. Because, because, by the way, the Peach Bowl is only 10 days away now. <laughs> so you kind of need to be focused and ready for that game. So, um, you know, that includes staff and players and everybody. So uh, I'll be kind of glad when this day gets by and then focus and get back toward the game. That's sneaking up on us really fast. No doubt about it. Talking about the Peach Bowl, of course, uh, you'll see Oklahoma, you'll see LSU, and you'll see another game happening. That's the early game. The later game, of course, is uh, going to be Clemson and the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, as we're live right now with uh, Mr. Matt Sims, who covers it all there on the bayou in Louisiana. Not only uh, the Tigers uh, with uh, Louisiana, but he also, real quick, man, uh, I'm up against an hour here, but how big was it to see Drew Brees get that award after uh, Laura wins the award Saturday night? He breaks a record on Monday night. Uh, man, is that environment as special as it seems to be here from afar? And, and let me ask you this. Has there been any connection between Drew Brees and, and Borough this year, this season, maybe some, some advice given, or, or I'm sure there's been some congratulations given out after both of these two guys have, have been recognized nationally, but, uh, any connection there with uh, the Saints and the Tigers when it comes to something like this? Well, I mean, I, I don't know if Burrow and Breeze have spoken directly. There's certainly been some accolades passed, passed along the Burrow and Breeze through social media. And there is a connection there between the Saints and, the, and LSU with their passing, uh, their passing game coordinator, Joe Brady, who, speaking of awards, was the Strength Royals award winner for best assistant coach. So, you know, I, I'm I'm sure there's some connection there. There's been communication passed along, uh, at least from one way to the other, from Breeze to Burrow. But it was a very special thing to see Breeze win that. It was unfortunate that um, he had to wait this long to be able to win it because if he hadn't been out the five games earlier in the season, he would have already eclipsed that uh, that plateau and probably would be anywhere from five to ten touchdowns further ahead. But instead, now he's in this dogfight in a race with you know, uh, Tom Brady. And that's what's so nuts about that is Tom Brady could very well pass him this coming Saturday because the Patriots play Saturday. So Brady could move into first place on the list. And then Drew Brees can come right back Sunday and repass him again and uh, and reclaim that throne as number one. So Brees could become the first player ever to uh, – Eclipse the all-time passing touchdown mark twice, <laughs> and it can happen in less than seven days. That's what's so crazy. Live right now with Matt Sims, who covers it all around the state of Louisiana. He's down there on the bayou hanging out with us. Uh, Matt, first of all, we do greatly appreciate all that you bring uh, to Southern Sports Central, all that you continue to cover for all those young kids over there 
not only of the college ranks, you do some high school conversations as well with us. Usually there's just so much to cover. It's hard to get to everything in about 30 minutes. And, of course, uh, helping us out with the Saints is uh, they came marching in and, and walk out of there with a record from Drew Brees. Uh, and uh, that's just, hey, records were made to be broke. Hopefully his record's not broke this Saturday. But, uh, nevertheless, uh, we greatly appreciate all that you do to be a contributor here to Southern Sports Central. And uh, next week, uh, if Tuesday or Wednesday works better, maybe Monday works better, just shoot me a message and, and we'll pencil you in and, and make sure that we get you in here for 20, 30 minutes and that uh, we get you caught up before the holidays. Okay, sounds good, man. We'll talk to you next week, then. There you go, buddy. All right, there you go, guys. Matt Sims checking in from the Bayou of Louisiana. He does it all, man. High school, college, pros. The man doesn't ever sleep. He's like Superman down there uh, on the Bayou. So we'll do a quick break, top of the hour, coming up next. Not sure if Lou Bizjack's going to be able to check in with us or not. The guy's busy. He's writing a lot of articles. He's working for the state paper. He's living up there in Spartanburg right now. He's He lives in Columbia, if I'm not mistaken, but he's Got a second home in Spartanburg hanging out with the guys of uh, the Shrine Bowl. So we've got that going on, National Sign of Day going on. And, uh, man, so much to do, so little time to do it. But we are going to take a break. Top of the hour coming up next right here on Southern Sports Central. My family and I were suffering with no protection from the hot Carolina sun. I called the Tent Farm, and they told me about their line of ceramic window film. Now I have 99.9% protection from harmful UV rays for the ones that matter the most. You don't have to be a math teacher like me for those numbers to make sense. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. I was driving in extreme Charleston heat. I couldn't take it any longer. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm. I used to be the victim of bad tents. It was so horrible, I was embarrassed to be seen driving even in my own hometown. I called the tent farm, and they took care of me. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm. I'm Jonathan Farmer, owner and founder of Tent Farm. Are you a victim of bad tent? Are you suffering from extreme heat? We here at the Tent Farm want to help you with these horrible conditions. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. Good morning, everybody. Rich Hill here live on Southern Sports Central alongside Will Porter here producing the show. I'm, of course, uh, hanging out for another hour with you here. Call in, hang out. It is National Signing Day. I mentioned it in the last uh, conversation there as we had Matt Sims drop all the way in from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He's a beat writer that covers uh, LSU, the Tigers, of course. He helps us out with the Saints when they come marching in and doing something big. And then he does high school Friday night football. So he's kind of uh, the trifecta, the hat trick, if you will, in hockey. Uh, where we throw out our hat to him, and he fills it up with all these great gifts and things that uh, nuggets that you can only get from somebody down in the bayou. It's a small circle of trust, and they, of course, uh, let him in, and he tries to give us just enough there. But I wonder, as I bring Will back in here with me, uh, Will, uh, you know, we talk about the great number nines. Man, we, of course, uh, Joe Burrow will get his own statue at some point here, maybe 10 years from now, uh, you know, and well deservingly. When you're the second guy to win a Heisman, that's a big deal. That's a big deal in a university setting. I, I, to be the first guy is amazing, incredible, all that good stuff. But to be the second guy, I could get, I get it. I get it. I'm not a real big guy of everybody getting a statue. It's like everybody getting a trophy, but it is a big deal. The spread there has been huge. You brought it up yesterday when he uh, basically came on board, uh, I believe, uh, was the same day that that guy actually passed, right? So right. 
it's all God's vision, man. It's all God's plan. And, 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 and you know, it, it, it's an interesting conversation. You, you hear a lot of times about grandparents passing away uh, that morning and a child being born that afternoon, a grandchild being born that afternoon, and how that kind of works out. And if you're spiritually sounded and you're grounded here, you can respect what I'm going here with. And, and, and again, that's we lead here with a good Lord. I don't care what you want to say. Uh, it is what it is uh, because we put the power above and, and we roll with it here on the show. That being said, you, you know, we see number nine. We see what he's done. But then all of a sudden, this other guy, number nine, Drew Brees. Now, Drew Brees, before there was a Drew Brees, there weren't guys at his statue and all of the things that he's been able to do doing anything. They were always told they were too small, not fast enough. They didn't have, uh, they didn't have the resume to get in there and do what he's done. He's broken that barrier. He's broken that, that stigma of a 5'11 and, and size in that area quarterback that can do things he's not the fastest guy he just has an ability to read the defender coming at him and make him look dumb throw it over his head do what he needs to do utilize the weapons around him all those things have mattered because that's what's kept him around so long drew Brees has been around a long time People oh yeah that's how long he's been around oh yeah and and um i've mentioned it on the show here too earlier this week um how he played for uh the san diego chargers back when when the la chargers were still in san diego and that was back in the mid early mid 2000s but dude he is so fast um of getting rid of the ball right and 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 his his release and his ability to get the ball to his receivers with with pinpoint accuracy where where he needs them to be i think that that is is a talent of uh, that is a skill set of his that is unique um that is unique to him and i think that sure you can you can name up you can name off a bunch of other other quarterbacks uh aaron Rodgers is one that comes to mind uh talking about that that pinpoint accuracy right and it and he um he is in drew Brees has paved the way for the russell wilsons and, and the kyler murrays um and i would even go as far as to say uh baker mayfield because uh, ba- baker mayfield is a, is a little bit uh smaller than uh, most quarterbacks or, or that, that you would uh, the quarterbacks that you would want right. um, on an NFL team. And that and that's all thanks to Drew Brees, because, like you said, it, it was almost unheard of uh, before him. Right. And, and I think that's what you look at. You look at what this guy's been able to bring not only to, uh, you know, to uh, I, I would say the state of Louisiana by coming in there and being part of this uh, this who did who that campaign of the saints he's been able to bring a lot of big things to the game in general he's opened doors for people that he has no idea who he's opened doors for some of those in high school that may never play college football but they took a chance because they watched a guy named drew Brees go out there and 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 do the things that he was able to do so they then took it amongst themselves to go out and try out and hey look at him now doing things you know and you start to see this thing kind of unfolding uh, so congratulations to both those two men who did great things in their time during this year and rewarded greatly. And there's a film out there, quarterbacks, I need you to listen up. This is directly from me to you because I was a quarterback. I understand what comes along with being a quarterback. You're on automatic, listen to me, an automatic captain. It comes with the territory. It's like, you know, uh, when you're a pro athlete, you're an automatic role model. You don't have to like it. You have to accept it because it is what it is. As a quarterback, you're guaranteed to be a, a captain. It just comes with it. If you're a pitcher, you're a captain. All those things happen because you're the center of attention. So a lot comes with it. You can't just get one without the other. What I'm trying to get at here is that you need to act accordingly. You need to be out there when nobody else is out there. You need to be getting out there early and staying late. You need to set the tone on the team. 
I watched Drew Brees in a film that Reggie Bush had, or, or tweet Reggie Bush had put out a while back, and he, I think he retweeted it or something the other day. When nobody else was at this facility, what do you think Drew Brees is doing? He's working out. He's throwing around. He's basically playing football by himself in the backyard, which I've done as a little kid, man. I was the best receiver, <laughs> the best defender. You know, it, it, he's putting in that effort. Are you doing that in the high school level? Because if you're not, you're not showing that leadership role. And if you're just waiting for the coaches to call a practice, shame on you. Sometimes you got to go a little bit above and beyond. But you always have to go above and beyond. Sometimes when you don't have certain things, you got to go create other things. Right. And then that's the video that I referenced there uh, yesterday. Whenever um, Drew Brees might have just thought that he was all alone in that uh, practice facility. But no, Reggie Bush was back there. Um, and, and you know, Reggie Bush was on the one side of the field, um, on one side of the, the field house, and then the, uh, Drew Brees with his back to him on the other side, uh, in the end zone, just kind of, uh, mimicking, uh, movement, rolling out to his right and, and trying to, um, you know, I don't know, do- dodging his defenders and, and, right. uh, in his mind. And, uh, you know, and, and Reggie Bush, he, he made a comment, um, like during the video and he kind of referenced it of, that's what greatness looks like. That that is that is cultivating greatness. That is cultivating um, just the ability to lead, and that and that's the first the first man into the practice uh, facility in the morning, the last one to leave at the end of the day, uh, first in, last out. And uh, for Breeze too, he holds himself to that standard, and I, I think that that again is what sets him apart from other quarterbacks and from other leaders. Uh, it's just it's just why he's such a likable guy too, is because that he he is humble. He I believe I want to say he's come from humble beginnings, and for him to just continue to preach the same message of uh, remember last year and I I, refer, I referenced this yesterday, uh, whenever he broke the the all time uh, passing yards uh, record last year, and his kids and his wife were were down there on the field and uh, they 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 broke in the middle of the game for a minute and, um, and they celebrated and his kids came out onto the field and he, uh, Drew Brees was mic'd up and he was telling his kids over and over again, um, you know, that you can uh, accomplish anything in life if you work hard. And that, that's a testament that he, that he lives by, uh, that he continues to uh, tell his kids that he continues to um, tell to, to the kids, of the, to the kids that are out there playing football and wanting to get to the to the NFL level, to the professional level, um, and, and that that is that speaks to his character through and through. That if you work hard and you believe it, you can accomplish anything. Yeah, and I think that's what it is. You put in the effort, you're going to get a lot of time the result. And, and again, hopefully at some point we'll hear and hear from the state papers on Lou Bizjack. He'll be able to talk to us about what's happening in South Carolina, what's happening at Clemson. Uh, it is not an easy day today to get a lot of these beat writers because they are doing what? They're writing. They're handling business. I'm 24-7 sports. Uh, their main guy, the guy at the headquarters, uh, called me, uh, oh, gosh, no, it was about 5.45 this morning. He's like, Richie, hey, man, look, I know our guys are always there for you, and, and hopefully we didn't put you in a bind. But, you know, today's it's a busy day, man, and, and I was going to try to do it myself and to have the, the, the head guy do it. That would have been pretty neat as well. However, it's like I told him, said, no, 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 don't worry about it, man. You guys go out there and you, you guys kick butt, do what you do. You know, this is this is y'all Super Bowl. Go out there and, 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 and write some five-star articles on some five-star kids, and, and I'll get you guys tomorrow. You know, they got, they got smoke coming off of their keyboards man. right now. That, that's, that's, well, that's exactly what's happening. No, 
uh, you know, this, this early national signing day, or, or now it's going to start be considered the, the uh, national signing day, the national signing day or national signing period uh, right. from now until Friday. Um, but, you know, you, you've got all of these four or five star uh, commitments, uh, the, these four or five star recruits from all around the country that are, that are committed to going to uh, play football at the next level, Division One or Division Two. Um, mostly Division One because we're we're um, as you're over there checking out the the Twitterverse and uh, all of the the commits that are coming in for for South Carolina and for for Clemson and for uh, for Georgia, Alabama, LSU, all of the big um, I guess all the big contenders. And uh, as of right now, I want to say that the top uh, I want to say the top five uh, recruiting classes in no particular order have to be. Um, you know, Clemson, LSU, Alabama, Ohio State, and I, I want to say Florida is up there on that list as well. Yeah, you're probably pretty close to being accurate here. And I'm just kind of like you said, this time of day, what we do is we go through and we, we look at, um, you know, some of these guys that, that really are excited. Now, South Carolina, you know, again, I'm not surprised at the five that you just mentioned. Okay. And again, I'm not going to sit here and beat a dead horse. And the one thing I love about what we don't do is we don't, we don't state the obvious. I don't read your stats. I'm not going to read your scores nonstop. I'm not going to. I'm not going to sit here and go through. I mean, it, it is a big deal that Clemson's got a, another record, uh, you know, uh, recruiting class coming in. They've never struggled, and this is why I struggle with Clemson fans. You guys, I get that you've never had this many five-star kids coming in your back door, now in your front door, jumping in through the window. I mean, they're coming in from everywhere. I get that part, but you guys have never struggled having a good recruiting class. You guys have always recruited well in Clemson. You just didn't recruit the right coaches to to coach them. You've never had a coaching staff that you have. So you want to be excited? Stay excited about your coaching staff because that coaching staff you have, that formula that they've built in Clemson, South Carolina, along with their slides and all the other you know, knickknacks and things like that, that's what's getting these kids to come there. You guys have an incredible coaching staff. I mean, top to bottom. And I, and I think by Dabo Sweeney doing what he's done, it, it puts a lot of guys on alert. So today, you know, I will look at South Carolina a little bit more because I want to see how does South Carolina rebound from a abysmal, very uh, painful season that the Gamecocks have had. Well, what do they do? They answer right off the rip with going out and grabbing a kid out of uh, Maryland, you know, and uh, you, you get this running back who's a five-star running back, right? How big a deal is that? That's a huge deal for South Carolina. What they're able to get after having a very, very bad year they go out here and they get this this running back marshawn lloyd who uh is out of Hattiesville, maryland the math catholic they from what i understand are on the cuff if they haven't yet and i haven't gotten the confirmation yet to get that five-star defensive end jordan birch he's from columbia south carolina from hammond uh, he's not going to announce until 2 30 this afternoon now reading more into it but his top five are south carolina clemson georgia lsu and alabama that's a big deal. To keep this kid home is going to be hard to do because of that list there. We mentioned South Carolina, but you mentioned Clemson. You mentioned their name. LSU, Alabama. Now, South Carolina's lost a guy in uh, Christian Miller, who was an, a, a, a Columbia kid whose dad was uh, Corey Miller that played for the Gamecocks. Now, Christian Miller went and played for Alabama. Now he plays for uh, the Carolina Panthers, mm. right? So they know what it's like to lose a kid that's in their own backyard. Like they got Jalen Hyatt, prime example. To me, he may be a four-star receiver to some, but he's a five-star stud to me. I've watched some catch passes that 
you know, some of the great ones out of our state have left here and gone and played. Some of the ones that have stayed here and played. And some that are came into our state, played from other places that played at our universities. You know, this kid going to Tennessee is, 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 a, is the real deal. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, uh, is it J- Jeremy Pruitt? Yeah, Jeremy the, Pruitt. Yeah, yep. Jeremy Pruitt, the head coach of Tennessee. Like he, he's 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 stealing this one. He, he's stealing uh, Jalen Hyatt from from South Carolina or from the state of South Carolina for sure. Um, because just I, I had the privilege of watching uh, Jalen Hyatt in, in two games this year, and just his ability to reach and to to get the ball is spectacular. And like you said, he may be a four star uh, recruit there on the on the paper but just on the eye test and and we can both uh testify to this just how incredible of a talent that he truly is right because he has that ability to he has that ability to reach to be able to outmaneuver his defenders and to uh get into a space where only the quarterback can get to him um if i if memory can serve me correctly i don't think that he has had um, many passes uh, to him that have been intercepted or, or passes that he has dropped. And that, that also speaks to um, that also spoke to his quarterback, Ty Olinchuk for, for him to be able to put those um, to put the ball in those places. And they, they've been playing together since they were what, seven, eight years old, eight years old. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, that playing that uh, pitch and catch uh, type of ball for, for 10 years for, for well in 10 years. Um, I, I, that's, I think it's just remarkable. Yeah, it, it's a huge deal. And now, of course, uh, Ty Olinchuk, he is no longer going to play football. He's <clears throat> signed, sealed, and yet not delivered. He'll play his senior year over at Dutch Fork in the baseball uh, diamonds. But he's actually going to hand over and, and play for the Clemson Tigers in baseball, which I think is going to be big there. He'll play, of course, with Bonnie Lee, who uh, played baseball here at the College of Charleston, coached at the College of Charleston, also coached at the University of South Carolina as an assistant coach. And I believe a graduate coach over there, but uh, Monty's a great guy. I've had a chance to play with him on the same team, actually, in college in a summer league here in Charleston, and uh, that was a lot of fun uh, getting to know him back then. And of course, he's just a down-to-earth, wholesome old dude, and uh, he's a good old boy. You spoke of um, Clemson a few um, a few sentences ago, uh, talking about the coaching that they've always recruited well, but it's always been the coaches. And and um, and right now, I think is the right circumstance. And um, it's unfortunate that. Uh, they they lose uh, a, uh, I think a, a, either a position coach or one of the coordinators Jeff Scott he just got signed to um, he's an OC he wasn't OC he, he wasn't OC now he's uh, signed to be the head coach um, there at um, University of South Florida um, and coaching the the Bulls there but um, now I, I tell you the truth man um, their ability like Clemson's ability um, and, and the way that they're able to uh, retain the kids that they have, like yesterday news broke that uh, Amari Rogers, uh, a receiver for Clemson, that he'll be returning for his, for his senior year. Uh, and, and in a way that's probably a smart move because uh, that gives him more playing time, more, um, more playing time with Trevor Lawrence, who, who is a stellar quarterback. I, I do believe that he needs to uh, just, just continue to grow and to learn a little bit more. Um, and develop as a quarterback, and I think Clemson is the the, the best place for him to um, to be developing. Um, and you know, for for Amari to uh, just be out there and to um, catch passes and and score touchdowns and those things, and that will increase his draft stock uh, come this time next year. Uh, whenever you know, whenever pro scouts are still looking, um, 
whenever pro scouts are there looking at the um, looking at the sheets and looking at the stats and looking at the eye test um, and exactly what can they what can he do for for our team. And so I think I think it was a smart move on, on his behalf. And that speaks to Clemson's ability to uh, retain players for their senior year. Well, it's not hard to do when you're winning. You know, when you're winning, it, it makes people want to stick around you. It makes people want to come to you. For example, uh, breaking news about five minutes ago, uh, Clemson flipped rivals 250 defensive back Malcolm Green from LSU. Uh, just announced he is signing with the, the Clemson Tigers. Green, uh, of course, uh, coach uh, breaks down uh, the Tigers, and, and basically it has to do with the environment, the atmosphere, the things that we talk about. Uh, you, you know, you, you look at, well, when one leaves, someone else rises. Well, they kind of had a dual, a dual uh, offensive coordinator role there. They had two different guys. Now they only have one guy doing it. Of course, he's a James Island native, a Charleston guy down there now. Uh, he takes over the full range things, and he's got a great connection already. He doesn't have to go introduce him. It's not like Mike Bobo coming in. He's got to go introduce himself to the top 10, 15 recruits, and then got to come in and meet all the top players and do this and do that. I listened to the uh, – the, the introduction to Bobo on Monday. And again, now Mike Bobo has come on this show as a head coach where he came from. Right. Uh, and, and that was a big time deal and, and very humble, very honest, very open, very family oriented, God fearing man. And, and I think that's the kind of thing. It's got to be hard to be a head coach in a big program. And then you come in as a coordinator, but he said, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, Rich. Here's the thing. I'm excited about the opportunity to come to South Carolina. I'm getting back in the South. I'm down and around where I grew up. I understand things. I used to love, to maybe not come in here, I didn't love it as a player, but I appreciate it as a player when we came and played in williams Bryce Stadium with the fans that were loyal. They showed up. They were loud. Even though the season might not go the way they wanted, they still came in and they did what they needed to do to make them, you know, make, let us know that they were there. He talked about the communities that he's all visited since he's been here uh, just with me yesterday and, and, and just certain conversations that I had a chance because I knew today wasn't going to be a chance to get him in here, but he did say he'd get in here with us next week when it slows down a little bit. And, um, when you start to kind of put things in perspective, you know, I, I think he's a big hire. I, I think you look at him as he's got head coaching experience. He's got a experience of recruiting in the state of South Carolina, by the way. They did well when he was there with Mark Rick as an OC, as a quarterback coach. But he said, you know, the one thing I look forward to is the fact that um, I don't have to just get out of a meeting and my phone starts ringing and I'm the head coach and I got to answer 50,000 phone calls. No, I actually get to be the quarterback coach, the OC, and, and I get to go to my office and, and do my thing. He was like, there was no doubt that, that you know, that there's one of the things that he looked forward to. Of course, he mentioned that Monday in his press conference uh, when they introduced him, I guess, you know, uh, firsthand. But, but guys like that, that's the key. That's the key, I think, for any big program is you got to go get these coaches that fit the mold that you're in. We talked about Coach O. He was a head coach, uh, well, an interim coach over at uh, Southern Cal. He's been other things in other places that just never worked. But all of a sudden, it's a perfect fit at Louisiana. Number one, nobody else can understand him but somebody from Louisiana, and it works. That's his love language. <laughs> it's like watching Waterboy. You know, it really is. But he's, he's good at what he does. He, he, he loves and embraces these kids. And if you watch the body language between mm-hmm. people, you learn people. Body language is huge for me. What I do and what you do, you'll learn that too. Um, when you watch the way, if they don't look you in the eye and if they don't make certain type of, 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 of connections there, you know right off the rip it's not a good fit. And so for me, to watch how he responded to his quarterback that was looking him in the eye, death square in the eye with tears coming out of it, and you just watched him, and I guess he must have grabbed my mom's hand and was holding her hand there on, the, on that row. Man, that's, that's what you live for, man. Those are the moments that you live for. And I tell people all the time, you have no idea 
you have no idea the relationship between a coach and a player. Some of the coaches I couldn't stand that I played for back in the day. Man, those are my favorite dudes right now. Those are the dudes that I call. I'm having a bad day. I pick up the phone, and, and, and I'll call Coach Roach, who was my baseball coach, and I'll say, Coach Roach, man, listen, X, Y, Z, or whatever it is. Man, I didn't want to call that dude. I didn't want to call his name out loud when I played for him because he was always in my face. He was, you know, he would, he would, I would babysit his kids just so I couldn't go out at night. It was one of those things. Yeah. Um, that what you're talking about reminded me of something that I saw uh, earlier this week or late last week. Um, it, there was, uh, you know, the, the pictures that circulate around on, on social media, on Facebook, especially. And one of the things that I saw was, um, you know, uh, talking about high school coaches or, or coaches in general, uh, whenever they're teaching young players that sometimes that like um, that you're going to have to yell at them and, and they're going to have to be yelled at. They're going to have to be um, it's going to have to be a tough love uh, scenario a time or two. The time that you should be worried is when your coach stops talking to you because when he, when he is talking to you and when he's, when he's yelling at you all in your face and um, knowing that you can do better, it's because he sees something in you. He sees something within that young person um, that you know, maybe nobody else sees, but he does. The coach does because he's around it and, and you're around and, and the, for the athletes, you're around him. And he's, he's able to, he's able to read that, that body language or being able to read. Um, he, he's able to read your um, just like where you are right now and your, and your mindset and, and whatever else have you. Um, there there are, are tons of different ways to try and read a person or the ability to read a person. But, you know, in Richie, I'll let you respond to this. I'll go back to what I said. The day that you should be worried is the day that your coach stops um, lecturing you, the day that your coach stops talking to you. Yeah, I mean, that, that's true in relationships and, and all of that. You know, it's kind of funny is when, you, when I hear you, you know, you, you think of that's relationships too. You know, when, 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 when they quit paying attention to you, brother, when they stop arguing with you, when they stop giving you a conversation, uh, not good. All right, that's a lesson in life, young guys and girls. Uh, you know, when that, when that thing stops happening, <laughs> there's something else going on, and it ain't, it ain't probably what you want to hear. But nevertheless, uh, that's very true. When your coach quits getting in your grill, that means he's in somebody else's grill. That mm-hmm. means he ain't got time for you. You're over here. You will see the field, but it's going to be from afar, never be from the front lines. And, and so you kind of look at that uh, and, and kind of go with it. Now, I do want to get into this. We've got about three minutes. We'll hit a break. We're going to kind of stay long and strong here with the uh, the two segments here in hour number two. We just, of course, we started at eight. We didn't take a break, uh, but we'll go until about 828, Will, and then we'll hit a break. But uh, Wednesday, of course, uh, for the Gamecocks, and I am going to talk Clemson as well here, and we'll talk some other ones, but because we are located in uh, the Palmetto State, what we're going to try to do is try to keep you up to par with a lot of things in the two schools in, in our area. Uh, but start looking at it. Wednesday, of course, marks the first day of college football early signing here this morning. And, of course, South Carolina expected to, to welcome in a majority of uh, the class of 2020 here early. They like to get these kids in and signed. Clemson likes to get these kids in and signed, and I would imagine everybody does. Get them in here, sign them. It is the first early signing period. Now, they're still going to have a national signing day in February. There's going to be two. Uh, that's not going to go away from, from what we see here. And I know uh, there's a lot of high schools who may or may not have signings today, but they will have a handful of ones in February. Now, I will tell you, on that day, we are going to be out of the studio and out and about here this morning. We just didn't have as many, and they were all doing them late. You know, had there been somebody doing one early, we would have done an early show, maybe at Fort Dorchester. Brandon Johnson decided he wanted to do it early. We would have probably done it early and, and had it come at you live and even tuned it in and let it be a part of it at the broadcast. But uh, there's so many guys that I think you look at, uh, you know, like Lou Doty. He's going to sign early. 
uh, Odell Fortune, he's going to sign early. A cornerback, another cornerback, Dominique Hill is going to sign early. Uh, Joey Hunter, what's he going to do? We'll see what he can do. Of course, another cornerback, offensive lineman, uh, Trey Jones, um, Muhammad Gaba, who's a linebacker coming out of Clinton, North Carolina. Uh, already signed and, and, and yet not delivered, but it's a done deal. That five-star guy, uh, the running back, uh, Marshawn Lloyd. Uh, that's a huge deal for the Gamecocks to pick this kid up out of Maryland. And uh, But then you look at Clemson, man. Clemson's the same way, man. Clemson continues just to beat the door down. And every time I turn around, here they are signing another guy and another guy. I mean, they're getting defensive linemen. They're getting defensive backs. They had a kid decommit, and I just mentioned this about 10 minutes ago, decommit from LSU. It's coming to Clemson to play football. That's huge. That shows you where Clemson is in, in the larger picture. And this is where I like to say, and this is a whole different conversation for another day, but I'd love to see Clemson in the SEC. I think the scheduling uh, would, would be incredible. I, I think the robberies would be automatic. you got Georgia every year. you got South Carolina. you got, I believe, uh, some other things that would start to kind of turn up a little bit more. And then they would play the two and two, which would be either in Alabama and Auburn, an LSU, a, uh, of course, uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and then, of course, Texas A&M. So they would rotate two there. But I also want to see Florida State come to the SEC, too. I think the SEC would be benefit by having Florida State in it, too. That would give us 16 teams, right? That's a good number. I, I like that number. Uh, I think that would give you uh, – there would be no more of this playing the little boy schedule. We'd play a nonstop, wrote, you know, do what you got to do there. But, uh, again – Looking at the Heisman, looking at the uh, the recruiting, looking at all this, uh, I, I'm kind of like uh, you know Mr. Sims. I'm ready to get this stuff behind us and get back to playing some football. <laughs> yeah, um, you know the thing about I think the thing about Clemson, um, if if they were to go to the SEC, and then you're you're not the first person to like bring that uh, that topic of discussion up, uh, but the one thing would would be I, I would have a hard time with it just because of the fact that one they've been in the ACC for so long. And and if that was going to be a drastic change, I think the ACC would end would end up just folding right in front of our very eyes. That and Florida State, if they both were to uh, to go to the SEC or something. But um, well, let me interrupt you here because I don't I don't I don't think it would a because you, I'm not you're you're telling me that, that this whole conference is built off of just Clemson and Florida State. Florida State sucks right now. They're not building anything. You're, you're absolutely uh, right. right. I'm forgetting about the basketball program. Well, but, of, but, there, Duke, but there's also, Louisville and uh, yeah, they North play Carolina. some football over there. They do play football. Right. They just don't play as football as good as everybody else. I mean, they do. Virginia's plays good football. They just don't play as good as everybody else plays football. Louisville, they they played good football. Miami, you know, uh, they have played good football. Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech memory, plays yeah. good football. The state of North Carolina, not that football, man. Wake Forest is competitive. North Carolina's competitive. NC State's bragging on here right now, telling everybody they got the recruiting class they need. The pack is back. We'll see. But yeah. there is other football. It's, this isn't and, – and I think you're kind of looking and, – and, again, I have to remember your age here. Uh, and you think about uh, there was a, uh, a, a conference that used to be known as uh, where, where, of course, uh, Miami was at, Virginia Tech was at. You know, conference that used to be? You know where they came from? I'm not sure. The Big East? The Big East, yeah. Louisville was from the Big Louisville. East, too. Yeah. It was from there. Syracuse there, too? Syracuse. Syracuse. Yeah, I, I, I remember the Big East. But you're, you're only you're only you're only you're only poaching two teams, and I don't recommend them getting Miami. I, I think they leave Miami there. But I would like to see Florida State, my and Clemson. I think they're they're definitely Clemson's fan base. And I, yeah, I get Florida State fan base too. It's just the atmosphere on a Saturday night. It looks just like it does in the SEC. Yeah. it's got that small town USA feeling. 
Uh, the stadium's built very similar to a lot of schools there, of course. Uh, there's some similarities to Auburn founder and the founder of Clemson. There are some similarities there. But for me, you, you look at what's happening here, and, and I get it. You're, you know, but look, dude, <laughs> you got to change with the times, man. You know, at the end of the day, and now I, I wouldn't go anywhere if I was Clemson because you have, a, you, have an easy, you have an easy route to the championship game, which is why Florida State came there anyways. They had a chance to go to the SEC. They didn't want to go to the SEC. Why? Because they got to compete week in, week out, day in, day out, recruiting. Uh, practice and play, and there's a lot of things that happen just other than the games on Saturdays and now Thursdays and a few other days during the week, but Florida State came to the ACC to win championships easier yeah. than they could over there in the ACC, and again... Well, the, se- the second point that I was going to make was, um, you know, if, if the SEC were to add uh, two other powerhouse teams, and I think that Florida State is is trying to get the ball moving on this now. They, they hired a brand new head coach and, um, you know, the recruiting class, I think they're hoping to be in the top 25 this year. I, I'm not sure exactly uh, where th- that ranks, and I, I, I'm assuming you're going to look it up, and we'll we'll get to it in the next uh, half hour when, when we come back from a break. But um, if if the SEC were to add two more teams, and and they would have to they would have to revisit the scheduling, they'd have to revisit everything, um, you know, surrounding which which division um, which division has what teams. I think you know like. Uh, a team like Georgia or Florida would have to go to the SEC West instead of staying in the East um, to account for a, a Clemson and Florida State team being added in. You can get Missouri. And, or, uh, kick, kick out Missouri. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is that I, 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 I can't shake the feeling but think that you'll have a, like a Pac-12 um, type deal where like the reason that the Pac-12 has suffered so much in recent memory with this change in the college football playoff is because that they have a round robin of playing each other. And like currently the way that it sits right now with the SEC is that you have uh, the, the SEC scheduling a 6-1-1. One, and one. You play um, the other six schools in your division. You have one uh, that is a set rivalry, um, a set rivalry, if you will. I think that's uh, South Carolina and, and Texas A&M is one, for example. And then you have an extra one that uh, that rotates out every six years uh, with different schools in, in the other division of your conference. With the Pac-12 is that they do this round-robin thing where they play each other. That's why you haven't had – there was talk about Oregon possibly being the first undefeated Pac-12 team um, since the Pac-12 uh, was formed um, from the Pac-10. And so – and and, uh, and of course this is this is all just uh, hypothetical um, speak and, and just uh, kind of mentioning these things, but you know I just can't help but think that you know if the SEC were to add those two teams, Clemson and Florida State, they would end up uh, in in one way or another destroying each other. But then again, you have a team like uh, Alabama who has uh, continuously um, has continued to beat teams uh, up until this year, uh, continue to beat teams um, at, at good margins and like beating LSU um, before this year, they were, they beat them for like what, eight or seven straight years. And, and they continue to be a powerhouse, but then, then what about everybody else? LSU, Florida, Georgia, uh, Clemson, if you threw them into the SEC, like what would that look like? You know, I don't know. I, you know, I, I think what you're going to see is if you throw Clemson in there, first of all, it's going to be a wake up call early. They're going to learn that it, it, it's not quite as easy yellow brick road that it's been for these guys up until this point. Now, again, I don't want to undermine what I, what I see Virginia doing, what I see some of these other schools that have done well at what they're doing. But, but I think it would be, it, it comes to wouldn't have these undefeated seasons like they're having. They may end up having one or two and, and they may find their way through. It's not easy to do. And that's what makes LSU season so special is that they win an undefeated. It doesn't happen all the time. 
Uh, we are going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We're going to continue this conversation. You want to join in, talk about, you know, the what ifs and the buts and all that. We will try to look up some, uh, some up-to-date rankings here uh, with rivals and see what we can get as well. But uh, hang out. 323-784-9681. Again, the number to call in is 323-784-9681. I gave it to you one more time. 323-784-9681. That is the Matt's Burgers Hotlines. We're here in the Gurns Pharmacy Studios in Somerville, South Carolina. It's National Signing Day. We had our one visit from Daryl Ware. He is signed with the Gamecocks. And uh, Lou Bizjack just texted me said he's got a little bit too much. He'll check with us tomorrow, guys. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Rich Chubbin here live on Southern Sports Central. Of course, I uh, want to thank all of our sponsors here who do what they do so that we can bring it to you six days a week. It's uh, the same time, Monday through Friday, 7 to 9, right here on Blog Talk Radio. And, of course, uh, we do the fifth quarter show Saturday morning where we recap a lot of the week. We get you ready for the day. And uh, I kind of give that to Will Porter, who is the producer Monday through Friday. I kind of give him a little bit of headway here on Saturday and say, hey, man, have your thing, do your thing, and uh, have fun with it. Of course, uh, he's been Hitting out of the park here. We've uh, been able to recap a lot of Friday Night Lights and high school football, prepare you for some Saturday showdowns in college football. <clears throat> Excuse me. But you can also get into, uh, you know, this week, by the way, we do have bowl games coming up this weekend. We'll talk more about them starting tomorrow. So that'll be a lot of fun as well. Uh, if you want to chime in, check in, let us know how your team is doing in the uh, National Signing Day uh, situation. If you're a player, you've already signed, or maybe you're looking – uh, to go somewhere here, call in, hang out with us. Coaches, we'd love to hear from you as well. The number to call in is easy. Uh, it is uh, 323-84-9681. That's the easiest way to catch up to us and let us know uh, what's on your mind this morning. Now, we're looking through here, and 
again, Clemson kind of continues to do what Clemson does. They they continue to kind of set it up here. They do all they need to do. They did get the number one overall uh, kid on rival. Uh, his name is Brian Breezy, I believe is how you pronounce it. He, of course, uh, comes in as the number one not only athlete, but he's a defensive tackle, 6'5", 290 from the state of Maryland. Uh, that's a big deal for them. Uh, they'll continue to uh, just get stronger and faster and better. And uh, you start to kind of look at the guys, and, and you mentioned this, uh, Will. You know, you, you know Clemson's going to be at number one. You already know that LSU's going to be sitting there. Alabama's going to sit there. Oklahoma's going to sit there. Ohio State's going to sit there. And somewhere deep down, uh, not that far down, is going to be the state of Georgia. You mentioned that you wanted to bring up Georgia, and they're going to be fine. Trust me and believe me. These guys are going to have all that they can have and do what they need to do to continue to get better. Uh, you know, they, they're not a team that, that you're going to see like Clemson. They're going to get some of these guys one one ones all the way across the board, but they are going to get the guys that they need. And here's between a good coach. You can load yourself up with a bunch of five-star kids, or you can load yourself up with a, a set of the right kids. Sometimes a, the kid you need is only a three-star. And sometimes that three-star is, is actually deep down is a five-star cat. You know, you think about it. When, you, when, when South Carolina gets a lot of their kids in that, that, that 2010 class, yeah, they were a big deal, but were they five-star kids? No, they were not. A lot of them were three- and four-star kids. A good coach can, can take a three-star kid and turn them into a five-star stud. I've always said that. Um, now, Clemson, of course, is getting five-star studs. I'm not saying they're not. I'm not saying they don't have a group of kids over there that are going to really light it up. But the problem is, and I said this to you off there, you can continue to get all these kids you want, but there's only 11 positions on the offense, 11 on the defense. And the kid that's a five-star kid, he ain't going to sit around forever and watch a game on the sideline. Yeah, uh, you know, talent, talent like that, uh, you got to you got to try your hardest and, and definitely, I don't know, incentivize um, for them to stay um, you know, promising playing time or something else. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to bring up George real quick because, uh, you know, Kirby Smart has really um, – he's, he's turned George into a, a recruiting powerhouse. He's, he's had um, the top three uh, recruiting classes in the last three years. You know, of one was um, the consensus number one and another, and another one ranked number two. But um, this past weekend begins, and uh, they would look at the national recruiting rankings for, for – cycle for this year and they think that georgia uh would be slipping right now uh per the 27 sports composite they are ranked eighth and they are only the fifth best uh sec class even behind arch rival florida and that's why i brought up florida possibly being in the top five if not uh maybe sixth or seventh but um and so then the question just uh becomes is the powerhouse showing wear and tear from a couple non-championship seasons and so let's see how things go this week. So, um, you know, this, this early signing period, and it's become the, the main signing period, like let's be honest here, um, it, it starts today and it's going to run until Friday. And then by then, Georgia may have um, vaulted back up to its customary spot in the top three. And that probably depends on a few prospects who are in Athens this weekend. Um, and so, you know, taking a look at uh, – just taking a look at uh, who they have um, – I think the biggest the biggest thing for them is the the quarterback commitment. They they have one quarterback commit right now, and that is a uh, a four star quarterback um, rated number 104 in the country, Carson Beck. Um, and this is a Georgia program that once had Jake Fromm, and Jake Fromm's still there, man, mind you. Um, Jacob Eason with Justin Fields committed, um, and they are in danger of having zero five star quarterbacks if Fromm doesn't return in 2020. And multiple sources say Fromm is seriously considering the NFL draft. Now, um, 
I do want to shift gears talking about Jake Fromm because now he has he has a serious roadblock uh, ahead of him, uh, or or he he's at the crossroads and he has to either he's either going to turn left or going to turn right. Turn left, he's going to come back to um, he's going to come back to Georgia and play for one more season. Uh, if he turns right, then he's going to go and enter the NFL draft. Now, if he chooses to stay, uh, this this is who he's going to be up against. If he stays. Um, he, he's going to have to go up against um, the 2021 class that includes Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, and others. And so there, there are no guarantees of how high up that he's going to go in, in the draft for next year. But this year, um, he, he's guaranteed to be the top 100 picks, maybe. Uh, but, of course, it's the question of does he stay or does he go Richie I want to hear from you what do you think that he should do um you know what what's best for him has he um has he learned all that he um has he learned everything that he could have already at Georgia or is there still more to um that he can be able to put out there on the field well, you know, the thing is, if he stays, the chances of him getting hurt are going to be greater than if he goes. Okay, the, the way I look at it, and, and here's how I go when it comes to kids that, that leave early: if it improves your 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 opportunity to leave early, then leave early. If it doesn't, then don't. And there's enough uh, enough guys and girls that do what they do to tell you the truth of how it's going to go. And there's a lot of guys, man. Look, you've hit your ceiling. That's the best you're going to get. There's no need to come. There's I don't like to say that word because there's a need to come back because you committed to a program for four years. Uh, and you've committed to these other athletes around you who who may not have an opportunity to leave and, and didn't leave your side, being an offensive lineman, being a running back, being a wide receiver. So for me, uh, you know, I look at it in that aspect, but then I look at the other side, the guys that are coming out next year, and, and yeah, there is one or two big names that are going to come out possibly next year. You mentioned the Clemson quarterback and a few others, uh, and you don't know what Tua's going to do neither, right? Does Tua come back? You know, he hasn't said yet that he's coming back. There's a good chance he doesn't come back neither. And there is a need for quarterbacks this year coming out, and this is a very strong class as it was last year. Oh yeah, no, this, I, think I think that this this class here is stronger than the one last year. It could be there was a big one last last year was real big. Oh with yeah, Weir Greer and and, and and of course Colin Murray and, and a hand of other quarterbacks that came out last year. But you're seeing the 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 fraternity of quarterbacks getting back to what it used to be because we had a drought for a while. wasn't wasn't a great quarterback yeah. coming out. Yeah. So so you're seeing that now. If I'm him, look. Here's the thing, Georgia fans, you know, I remember many, many, many times sitting in Columbia, South Carolina, watching Georgia play South Carolina, and they never knew who their backup quarterback was anyways. Mm. I think they've always had a kid. It seems like when you become the quarterback at Georgia, man, you're the quarterback for life, at least for your, the life sentence that you have at Georgia. You never know their yeah, backup for the, quarterback. Like for the next three or four years, yeah, that's who you right, have, yeah. That's, that's all you've ever known. And so they're like, and, and I've asked. I mean, it has been entertaining. Even in my days in college, I would look and be like, man, I'd ask somebody, man, so who's the backup guy at Georgia? And a, and a diehard Georgia guy that wears Georgia shirts every day of the week looked at me and said, but I don't know. <laughs> what? You don't know? Who, I don't know. He goes, well, we, we, don't, we don't never go to a backup quarterback. Well, let me, let me just add this. So why would Fromm consider leaving after a down year? Would he not be better served coming back and trying to leave a better impression? That would be the argument. But there's also no guarantee that, that next year, the year 2020, will be better. Consider – what Fromm is set to lose after the season. Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, who has been with him his entire career and is set to be a very high first-round pick. Uh, possibly also his right, ta- uh, his right tackle in Isaiah Wilson. Uh, the top two tailbacks, two-time 1,000-yard rusher DeAndre Swift and versatile senior Brian Heron, 
Um, receiver Lawrence Kager, his favorite target when healthy this season, and his top two tight ends, including Charlie Warner, who is perhaps Fromm's best friend on the team. And so you can say this hasn't been the, much, uh, the most fun season for Jake Fromm, and he doesn't betray uh, much publicly, even behind the scenes. Um, the, the word is he remains a positive and upbeat leader. But if he does, but if he looks around and wonders whether he wants to risk going through all this again, would you blame him? Um, here, here's the deal. It ain't going to get any easier at Florida, okay? Uh, if, if, you're playing this, if you're playing the University of Florida, I mean, that dude over there, is a, he's a player's coach. He's a coach's player, whatever you want to call him. He, he is going to continue to reload that arsenal down there in the swamp. So if you're looking for the easy way out, you're in the wrong conference. All right, number two, uh, here's the deal. They did just sign a four-star quarterback, Carson Beck, who is uh, going to come in here. This kid uh, is, is poised. He knows the opportunity he's got. He, he'll be the next man up. He's, uh, of course, uh, I believe out of Jacksonville, Florida, uh, you know, leading up to, of course, uh, you know, the visit that he had at Georgia. Uh, he, I think he, I'm trying to think, Madrid High School, I think is what it is over there. We'd have to ask Tony. Tony's a little bit more into that one more than I am. He played for a coach over there, Bob uh, Ramsey, who, of course, uh, you know, he said this kid's a good – he's one of the best he's coached in a, t- a long time. Uh, you know, when you start to kind of look at things that this guy does, and, again, uh, Kirby Smart is just that. He's smart. He knows what he's doing. He's going to go after the right guy. It's going to be the right fit. He's not just going to go after some stars uh, in the sky so to speak. And I like that about Kirby Smart. He's a good guy who gets it. He understands it. He's dangerous too. But Dan Mullen, I'm telling you, if, if this guy thinks, and this is the quarterback that you're talking about over there, um, if he stays at Georgia because he thinks it's going to be easier next year, it's not going to get any easier because Tennessee's getting stronger. Yeah. Okay? Let's be real. Florida's getting better. And, and don't count out South Carolina. South Carolina without injuries is a different, is a different Gamecock club. So there's three teams right they off are, the rip. Yeah. They're going to have a new coach hanging out over at Missouri. What is he going to bring? We don't know. We know that he can coach at App State. That doesn't mean squat what he's going to do in Missouri because now they have to have a quarterback issue themselves because of uh, Kelly Bryant's gone. Uh, and then Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Hey, Vanderbilt's right. They, they're a Cinderella team, and he's cool with that. He loves it. And uh, who's to say he doesn't upset the Georgia Bulldogs? Right. And then you've got to play Auburn every year. Mm-hmm. Okay, you think Auburn's going anywhere? Nope. Auburn's not going anywhere. They're the best three, four loss team in the country. Yeah, they're no, really good at what they do. And then you're going to rotate some other teams. So, you know, if you're staying because you think it's going to be easier to win it next year, you're deadly mistaken. You either go because, A, you realize that coming back somehow, some way, you're going to benefit by growing your stock in the NFL market. I don't see it happening. I think he's kind of where he is. I think Jake Fromm is exactly where he is uh, as far as the best he's going to get out of it. Yeah. So, so for me, if I'm him, if I'm his guy, I'm like, look, I, I get it. Not a season you wanted. You know, you didn't win a state, you didn't win a national championship. You did sweep, you know, Georgia Tech, which so did uh, <laughs> the Citadel. But nevertheless, <laughs> uh, you know, that being said, you, you you had a good run. It was a good time, you know. But this is the first time when we when they had, what, two, three quarterbacks transferring out that were four or five-star quarterbacks, you know. That one, are, one that was a Heisman candidate one just, the Heisman, just a week ago. Yeah. One that's hanging out at Washington, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got kids everywhere. This is why you don't load it up with three and four different kids that are four or five stars because now you're going to have this well what ifs well that that that's why georgia has gotten rich because they've never known who that backup was that guy was so good he started his freshman year and never played mike bobo was there hell i thought mike bobo graduated like five different times yeah i know i mean my god <laughs> he, he was kind of like chris winky i thought he was there forever yeah when are you going to graduate man go somewhere find a job bum get out but he didn't he stayed there forever he was a quarterback for life and then became the quarterback's coach. It's like, yeah. man, we can't get rid of this guy on the sideline. 
but nevertheless, the, uh, the SEC East is going to look a whole lot different next year. That, that's for sure. And and the, the question is, you know, uh, we're we're looking at this on paper, of course, and, and the way that we're talking about it. We're looking at the whole um, – as this is the, the first day of the early national uh, signing day uh, period, um, today through Friday, once again. And, uh, the, you know, and the question does become, okay, so now we have all this talent on paper. And we're, we're of course, over here trying to figure out exactly, okay, um, which which player would last in this system, which player would be uh, would work here, which, which player would work here, here, and all these things. And looking at it on paper, I want to say that the SEC East is kind of reloading um, in, in a way trying to look, um, trying to look more dangerous uh, than, it, than it was last year. Of course, you had, um, you had Florida that was uh, on the up and coming, and, and Florida was a, was a talk early to possibly win the East. Um, and, and that game against, I think it was the game against Georgia, that whoever won, uh, whoever won that uh, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party would be uh, end up winning the SEC East, and and Florida in recent memory has in fact become uh, one of those teams uh, to um, to resurface, if you will, and and, and that's uh, I think is is that Dan Mullen is that Dan, Dan Mullen, Mullen? Yep. Dan Mullen and his program down there that how successful that they that they have been. Um, in just this uh, short stretch of time. Uh, real quick, I do want to quote um, an NFL draft analyst from The Athletic, uh, Dame, yeah, Dame uh, Brugler, from, talking about Jake Fromm. The feedback Fromm is hearing right now is likely similar to what I'm hearing. He won't be a fit for every team, but could be a top 50 pick in the right situation. Teams who implement West Coast and quick passing concepts, which prioritize accuracy and timing into their offense, will be interested in Fromm, but he doesn't have the physical tools that other teams convert at the position, whether this year or next, what will really help from throughout the draft process is the interview process. His football acumen from um, protections to coverages will impress coaches and play callers from might be the fifth quarterback drafted. If he comes out in this class, but that could be an enormous positive. If it means he is drafted by a playoff team outside the top 20 picks on the flip side, he could return to school and improve his draft grade only to be drafted into a worse situation. So while I understand that all angles must be considered for a decision of this magnitude, the number one question Fromm needs to ask himself isn't, isn't what is my draft grade, but am I ready? Or would another year of college experience make me a better quarterback? Is Georgia currently set up so I'll get considerably better next year? Or have I learned all I can from this coaching staff? The NFL isn't a developmental league, and so it is certainly beneficial to put yourself in the best position possible for a long-term career. Being drafted higher is great, but that second contract should be the goal. Your thoughts, Richie? Here's the deal. If he thinks it's a good move, let's do it. If not, let's hang tight. But either way, I mean, you know, again, that's, I'm going to stick what I said. I don't know if it gets any better for him. It's definitely not going to get any easier for him. Dan Mullen is a great guy off the field. He, it shows what he does on the field. He's a player's coach. Uh, he has the ability to really uh, understand what these athletes are looking for, what they want, and what he can bring to the table. And that's why you see Florida's climbing up this board as we speak. I mean, these guys are good. Uh, they're going to be good for a long time. As long as Dan Mullen's down there, it brings that Urban Meyer uh, feeling to the program as well, that he was, a, uh, I, I believe, a descendant of that whole tree uh, originally when Urban Meyer was down there. So he has that ability to really engage, he went back home to where he was a, a coordinator, an offensive coordinator, a mindset, a guy who could get his job done, and he relates to what these guys are looking for. So, uh, you know, for me, 
it's just not. It's not going to get any easier. And I think really bringing in Mike Bobo, I, I think that helps South Carolina get some some opportunities there. Uh, they have they, they retained uh, their their other uh, offensive coordinator. He stays on board, and I think that's a big move for him. And that shows a lot of character on his part because it's not easy. It's not easy for you to stay on board after you've been demoted a little bit. But he's he's a team guy. He's kind of like the Kieran Joiner who Joiner says, "Hey, look, coach." Put me where you need to put me so that we can win some ball games. I'll play wide out. I'll play return. I'll kick it. I'll throw it. I'll, I'll snap it. What do you need me to do? That's what you want on your team. Those are the kind of guys that I surround myself with here at Southern Sports Central. You, you, everybody wants to be on the microphone. Everybody wants to do this and do that. But sometimes you've got to play some different roles. Sometimes you've got to do some things that you don't want to do. All right? That, that, that's the character part of you. That's who I want to see you're going to do. You know, I challenge you to do some things and, and – and, you know, you're batting a thousand because you continue to step up to where I ask you to step up. That's been the problem with me here is giving guys that always want to do the microphone talk but don't want to do the microphone check. There's a check before you talk. And, and again, you got to go out and do some of the legwork. Well, same goes for football. Same goes for baseball and basketball and all these programs. You know, it, it comes with growing pains. And for, you know, you know, I get Will Muschamp's done. He's done well in his time in South Carolina. This was not a well season, by the way. Uh, and we all know that. And I've you know, I haven't vocally been hard on him, but mentally I'm, I'm pretty hard on him in my mind because mm-hmm. I just don't, I'm not a Twitter kind of guy to go after him and, and, and beat up my phone board and stuff like that because I just don't see any, any goals out of it and I don't, I don't get any rewards out of it. But there's some things, you know, that I'd like to be like, man, what happened? But that, that, look, man, he's the head coach. What he says goes. I talked to him Saturday night a couple of weeks ago over at the, cha- at, the uh, at the high school championship games on the sideline along with a handful of other, you know, SEC coaches and coaches around the country. Same question I asked him, hey, man, what, 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 what's in the plans, man? And he kind of looked at me and smiled, and we had a conversation about Bobo. I mean, it was, you know, some things that we talk about, I'm not going to say on the air. Right. I'm not that guy. I, I don't need to be the breaking news guy. I knew things that happened. I'm not going to say, hey, it came here first. I, I could care less. It doesn't make me any richer. It doesn't make me any better. Matter of fact, it makes me less of a person. Sometimes when you break a story, you don't do it the right way, you, you look like an a-hole. And, and I don't need any help some days in that category. I, I kind of can stand alone on my own, depends who you talk to. But for me, I try to do it the right way because we have young athletes, and I tell them the same. Well, a lot of that information is probably told in confidence, you know. And even if you are wearing a, a press a press pass on the sideline and you're and you're just having casual conversation, I mean, you're not you're not there with a with a microphone or or a phone in his face and and trying to record the conversation. Uh, or anything like that. It's just, you know, genuine conversation. And of course, the things that uh, the, the conversation that you were able to have with Muschamp and just, uh, um, I think that his openness and his honesty to uh, towards you and talking about the program and uh, exactly where he's wanting to take it. I think that that's going to uh, be a key factor um, next year. Now, all that conversation was, of course, before uh, the hire of Mike, Mike Bobo. So we'll see what happens uh, this upcoming year for the South Carolina Gamecocks. That's for sure. And we'll continue to keep an eye on, of course, uh, the, this uh, early signing period for um, for college athletes and everything. And um, I think you're going to be updating the Twitters as well over there, Richie. Yeah, well, yeah, keep a check on us on Twitter at SO Sports Central. Of course, National Signing Day will happen. Most of the stuff's today. I mean, I know Will continues to tell you through Friday, but most of the stuff you're going to get it today. Uh, you know, I'm not a big guy that drags it out. Look, man, if you know where you're going to go, do what you got to do, knock it out, wait till Friday so that you can get the only – Light on you. That's that just that's a whole other conversation for another day. But we are going to uh, head out. It is the top of the hour. I want to thank everybody who's made today possible. Of course, uh, Gers Pharmacy, the home of the studios here located downtown Somerville, Matt's Burgers, 102 South Cedar Street, the home of the uh, well, 
the bomb, and it's the best burger in and around town. Of course, uh, Matt's Barbershop and Simmons Barbershop all joining us here. And, of course, uh, the Tent Farm is our latest guy that jumps on board with us. So uh, you can do that as well. Follow us on Twitter at SO Sports Central on Facebook at Southern Sports Central. We'll be back live tomorrow morning. we got a loaded guest list, so a lot of guys that signed today will join us tomorrow. I'm Richie Altman. That's Will Porter. This has been Southern Sports Central. Till tomorrow, take care. God bless. Sweet, sweet, sweet,